When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from Liverpool, The Dark Paranormal, Season 6. Hi everyone and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal, Season 6. We're rapidly approaching the end of this season and like we mentioned last time, for Season 7, we return to your true paranormal experiences. We've already had some amazing submissions and we still have space for some more. So if you're sitting on a story which you think would suit The Dark Paranormal, please email it over to thedarkparanormal at hotmail.com. However, right now, of course, we're still in the throes of Season 6, where we take a look at some of the more well-known paranormal cases. You'll have noticed over the last seven episodes, there is very rarely a time when the evil entity or poltergeist or possessive spirit seems to win. However, that's all going to change with today's episode. Today we will find out that it's not always only down to the demonic spirit why they managed to stay around and create such havoc. However, before we get into today's true paranormal experience, I of course need to thank our Patreons. When you sign up to Patreon, not only do you get these episodes ad-free and before anyone else, you also receive exclusive access to our Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. In Dark Bites, we take a look at some of the shorter stories which didn't quite make a full episode. Therefore, in each episode there is a number of true paranormal experiences. And of course, Dark Bites runs every week of the year, even on the downtime between seasons. We've built a wonderful community of like-minded paranormal believers over on Patreon, and we'd like to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. So why not head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal, just like these wonderful new team members have. Nicole Sumner, Vianette, Fanny Garcia, Anita Mojica, Stephen Mooney, Danny Dannenberg, Anthony Marshall, Kristen Mamoli, Joanne McCauley, Larnie Springer, Carrie Little, Samantha Roma, Angie Sansquiri, Anthony Meintz, Taylor Khan, Sage Coe, Kiva Littlejohn and Crystal Ann Vaughan. Thank you so much for the support guys and welcome to the team. Don't forget, if you'd like to join, head over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal. And now, we're about to go back to the 80s for one of the most harrowing possession experiences that I've ever heard. And so, lower the lights, make yourself comfortable, and of course, leave your disbelief at the door. As we hear all about Satan's Queen. It's summer, 1988. Richard Gallagher lay awake in bed, 
Turning to his digital alarm clock at the side of his bed, the neon red numbers told him it was 2.57am. He let out a sigh and rubbed his eyes, debating whether or not to get up and get himself a hot milky drink in the hopes it acts as a sedative. He'd never suffered from insomnia before, but for some reason, over the last week, he'd been unable to switch off. In his work as a psychiatrist, he'd caught himself yawning in appointments. Never a good thing when someone sat opposite you, basically spilling their heart out. Beside him, he could hear the long, deep breaths of his wife. He turned his head and enviously watched the... What the hell's that? muttered his wife as she jumped up from her slumber. It's the cats, replied Richard, shocked by the out-of-character behaviour of his two normally docile and placid pet cats. What on earth's gotten into them? They never fight, Richard muttered as he walked towards the rolling ball of fur and claws. A few sharp gestures and hisses from Richard, and the cats quit their fight and sped off in opposite directions. Come back to bed, said his wife. She glanced at the alarm clock. Come on, it's just turned three o'clock. Richard yawned as he shut his office door and carried his black coffee over to his desk. Hitting the intercom, he reached his secretary, Amanda. Amanda, my first appointment's this afternoon, and I have a few things to do, so no phone calls for the next hour, please. Okay, Mr Gallagher, she replied. As unprofessional as it was, Richard debated catching 40 winks at his desk. He turned his chair so the back faced the door folded his arms and half-closed his eyes. Just as he felt himself drifting off, Richard jolted awake in his chair. Angrily looking at the clock on his wall, he realised that all of five minutes had passed. Amanda, I said no. Sorry, Mr Gallagher, it's not a phone call. There's... there's a priest here to see you. Richard didn't know how to respond to that. Still in a dazed state, he double-checked that he'd not just imagined it. A priest, he replied. Yes, a Father Jacques. I don't know her. Fine, give me five minutes, then send him through. Richard didn't know a Father Jacques. He was a proud Roman Catholic and a regular churchgoer, and through that he had gotten to know quite a few clergy in his time. But a Father Jacques was certainly not one of them. He pulled out a mirror from his desk drawer and straightened his tie, moved some papers from his desk and took a big gulp of the now lukewarm coffee. Come in. The door opened a crack and the head of a diminutive man meekly picked its way through. Dr Gallagher, he said. That's right, you must be Father Jacques. I am indeed, the man smiled, opening the door and entering the room. Richard offered him a seat and tried to find out the reason for the visit. "'I'll be honest, Father, we don't get that many priests in here,' said Richard, taking a perch on the corner of his desk. Father Jacques glanced around the room at the certificates and plaudits on the walls of the office. "'So you took psychoanalysis at Columbia?' "'Yes,' replied Richard. "'I went from Princeton to Yale for psychiatry, and finally Columbia.' "'Excellent,' beamed the priest." Richard decided to just straight out ask. So, Father, what can I do for you? Not for me, replied the priest, but for someone who reached out to me. 
I have a lady in your reception area who tells me she's possessed by the devil. And I want to see if she's, well, invented the whole thing. Richard was taken aback. Father, that's not really my... Well, listen, I am a Catholic. He nodded to a small crucifix on the wall. But I don't really go in for... And forgive my choice of words here, but... All the mumbo-jumbo. No offence. I get a few people in here each month who tell me they're possessed by the devil. And they obviously aren't. They're just influenced by the media. All of this satanic panic that's going round at the moment. The priest looked down to his knee with a short smile, picking fluff from the fabric, before looking back up. Exactly. If we thought you'd be easily fooled, I wouldn't be sat here right now. Richard took another sip of his coffee. This guy was serious. And how did you find me exactly? he asked. Well, we have regular meetings with clergy from many parishes. We discuss problems that we may have and share best practices. Well, I discussed Julia with your parish priest, Father Mantell, and he suggested that I reach out. Richard nodded. The fact this request was technically via Father Mantell made him feel he should at least meet the woman in question. Well, why don't you bring Julia in? said Richard. Julia sheepishly walked into the room. She's middle-aged, dressed in all black, black eyeliner, pale skin, pentagrams dangle as earrings on either side of her face. Exactly the type of person who Richard sees now and again convince themselves that they're possessed. This was going to be a very short meeting, he thought. Take off your jacket, Julia, and show Richard your arm, said Father Jacques. Julia did as she was told, holding out her arm to show deep purple bruises and a large imprint of teeth on the tricep area. The priest pointed. This appeared during one of our initial meetings. Julia just yelped and then the markings appeared. This bite is too large to be a human bite. This is one of many things that I can't explain, but I'm hoping you can talk to Julia and... Find some answers, smiled Father Jacques. Richard slowly nodded. He'd seen self-harm before. He'd seen self-harm attempted to be passed off as down to a supernatural entity before. But something rang a small alarm bell in this instance. Maybe it was the severity of the bruise, the teeth marks, all the way that, although she appeared scared, Julia also seemed to be here kind of against her will. "'How do you think you got that, Julia?' asked Richard, pointing to her arm. Julia half shrugged and said, "'Like I've told the priest, there's a devil inside of me and it wants me dead. I want it gone.' Wondering why the church was seemingly so involved in the case, Richard asked, "'I take it you're Catholic, Julia?' "'Not any more,' she replied. Uh, Julia was baptised a Catholic and has strayed somewhat from the church, but she returned to us when these things began to happen, interjected Father Jacques. Over the next 30 minutes, Richard asked some routine questions which usually smoked out signs of psychosis or fantasy. But Julia showed evidence of neither. She was logical, 
straight talking, genuine and transparent, Richard had to admit his curiosity was piqued. I'd like to follow up with more questions, if I may. Can we schedule an hour or so each week moving forward? He glanced back and forth between Julia and the priest. Of course, I'll attend each session also so I can remain up to speed, replied Father Jacques. Thank you for your time and assistance, Richard, he said, rising to his feet and shaking his hand. The priest and Julia headed for the door, but just as she was about to leave, Julia turned back to Richard with a glazed expression and said, Hey, how did you like those cats last night? Her face remained emotionless as she stared intently at Richard, before seemingly coming to and hastily walking out. The events of that meeting plagued Richard's thoughts as he became somewhat fixated on the case but he knew that he needed to remain thorough, not allow himself to be dragged along with what still may be an intricate fantasy. And so, after discussing next steps with Father Jacques, he decided to put a team together to act as a sense check for each part of Julia's case. Whilst Richard contacted fellow psychiatrist Stan Peters and a list of clergy provided by Father Jacques, Father Jacques reached out to the most experienced Catholic exorcist in America. Father Allen. Father Allen asked if the required signs of possession were present, speaking in languages unknown to the victim, supernatural strength, knowledge of hidden events, aggression towards religious items. Father Jacques explained that not all of the criteria had been shown, but what had been shown had convinced him that this exorcism was required. He discussed the materialising of the bite marks and her knowing about Richard's cat's behaviour. Father Allen was intrigued, but not convinced. Well, see how she goes with this psychiatrist of yours first, but do keep me updated, he advised Father Jacques. Richard worked thoroughly through his list. He'd already got Stan Peters on side, and Stan had asked for a copy of the case notes to be faxed over to him, which Richard had already done. Thus far, he'd also managed to speak to two additional priests and get them on board his ad hoc validation committee also. He ran his finger to the next name, Father Anton, and dialed the number. Hi, is that Father Anton? It's Richard Gallagher here. I believe Father Jacques told you to expect my call. Richard explained what he was trying to achieve in collating this group together, and Father Anton seemed keen. I must admit it will be a first for me, said the priest, but I think it's also a good time to do this. The demonic voices interrupted the call before fading to leave both men stunned. Did. did you hear that? muttered Richard. Yes, um, I don't think I can help anymore, I'm sorry. Richard replaced the receiver, wondering where those voices had come from. How did... Richard stared at the handset. His heart raced as he reached out and picked up the phone. Hello? Richard, Richard, it's Stan Peters. Richard let out an audible sigh. Stan, good to hear from you. How are you? 
Yeah, I'm all good, thank you. Um, those notes, for me, it's a clear case of dissociative identity disorder. This phasing out and muttering about cats, it's classic DID. So for me, there's two options. Either she's suffering with DID, or the devil's got her. And we both know only one of them can be reality. He laughed. Richard politely replied with a laugh of his own. Yeah, you're right, Stan, yeah. Thanks for taking a look, he said, ending the call. However, Richard was starting to question exactly what reality was right now. In the next session with Julia, the mood had become much darker. Enough with the pointless questions, Julia said, her voice shaking. I'm the one under attack here, not you or you. She pointed a finger at Richard and Father Jack. Julia, we're moving as fast as we can, Richard replied. There needs to be a consensus about what we're dealing with here, and right now there just isn't one. Julia hurriedly raised her trouser leg. Around her calf there appeared to be five deep marks, as if a large hand had gripped her violently. That was last night, pulled out of my own bed. Are you saying I'm making this crap up? Richard and the priest stared at the markings. Well, muttered Richard, a very qualified colleague of mine has reviewed your case. He thinks you show all the symptoms of dissociative identity disorder. Julia's eyes teared up in frustration at hearing this. Richard was about to say something to comfort her when he noticed her face begin to soften. Her eyes seemed to go out of focus whilst looking at the leg of his office table. And almost imperceptibly, she began to rock back and forth. Peters is a fraud, she mumbled, half smiling and still staring at the table leg. He wouldn't believe the sky is blue. He didn't believe his own daughter saying she's being bullied. His lovely red curtains should be his burial shroud. Richard was gobsmacked. He hadn't mentioned Stan Peters' name, even to Father Jacques. He knew nothing of the daughter being bullied. However, last month, Peters had made a song and dance to Richard about his new Italian handmade red curtains for his office. Father Jacques spoke next. Well, Julia, I'm keeping Father Alan fully up to speed with the situation and he's too busy on the beach strolling round in his fancy green jacket, Julia interrupted. Slowly, she raised her face and looked around. What's just happened? She asked the two men, who in response just looked at each other. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank account. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step by step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. 
Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies, and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. Shortly after arriving home, Father Jacques called Father Allen to give him an update on Julia. Father Allen, can I ask, did you go out this afternoon? asked Father Jacques. Why, yes, for my daily stroll on the beach, the priest replied. And can you tell me, what coloured jacket were you wearing? Sensing where this was going, Father Allen replied, Well, what colour did Julia say my jacket was? Green, answered Father Jacques. There was a slight pause, and then Father Allen said, OK, I think we should meet this Julia after all. The following week, the two priests met and talked in depth with Julia. After a two-hour interrogation, Julia stepped outside, allowing the priest to deliberate. "'I'm still not convinced,' said Father Allen. Father Jacques's heart sank. He selfishly hoped Julia would have went into a trance in front of Father Allen, proving her story once and for all. "'I have nothing other than second-hand anecdotal evidence to present to the bishop.' Gallagher himself hasn't yet signed off to say she's of sound mind. Father Jack nodded solemnly. Father Allen was right. At the very least, the bishop would demand a doctor's approval for an exorcism to be granted. I'm not ruling it out altogether. I just can't approve the approach as it stands, said Father Allen. Father Jack was already chaperoning Julia back to her home, and so offered Father Allen a lift back to the train station. On the drive back, Julia sat on the back seat and Father Allen took the passenger seat and, starting with some small talk, asked Julia what music she liked, her favourite TV shows, general conversation starters. And Julia responded well. She became engaged in the conversation and even laughed a couple of times. Father Jacques couldn't help but think this bright, bubbly conversation was doing nothing for Julia's demands for an exorcism. Luckily for him, not five minutes later, someone else joined the conversation. So how long have you lived here then? asked Father Allen. No response. Julia, how long have you... Fucking priests. Father Jacques shot an elated yet terrified look over at his colleague. Father Allen turned to look at Julia... Her face seemed damp and void of emotion, staring straight ahead out of the windscreen. "'Sorry, Julia, what was that?' asked Father Allen. "'You shouldn't really use that type of lang- "'Leave her to us. We made a deal. Fucking worthless priest.' Father Allen glared at Father Jacques. However, Father Jacques seemed to be struggling with something. As Father Allen turned around, he saw exactly what the problem was. Dark, black shadows began creeping over the windscreen, obscuring the view. 
the headlights cut out. Then all the lights on the dashboard turned off. The car, however, was still travelling at least 30 miles an hour. Fearing he may cause a head-on collision, Father Jacques had no choice but to swerve the car into a ditch in the side of the road. As soon as the car hit that ditch, Julia broke out of her apparent trance. Miraculously, no one was injured. Following this event, Father Alan agreed that an exorcism was indeed called for, but only on the proviso Dr. Gallagher declared Julia as mentally fit and sound of mind. On the next session, Richard asked Father Jacques if he could interview Julia alone, as opposed to with the priest. Richard sensed that the priest's presence was causing Julia to hold back from certain topics and certain answers. And he was right, because in that session, everything relating to this case became a lot clearer. Opening up for what truly felt like the first time, Julia admitted to Richard that she moved away from Catholicism after being molested by her parish priest. Richard acknowledged how hard it would have been to say that with Father Jacques in the room and continued with his methodical questioning. After that, said Julia, a friend of mine invited me to a meeting with a satanic group. It's not like what you think. I was welcomed. I felt safe, part of something. Anyway, soon after I fell for the leader, Daniel, and we began seeing each other. Richard scribbled in his notepad as she continued. We would worship the demon Asmodeus. One of the group stole some communion wafer from a church and we began holding black masses. It all kind of evolved from there. Black masses became sex orgies. I became a high priestess. And then... In harrowing detail, Julia described how she would become pregnant by Daniel. And together they would offer up the birth as a sacrifice to Satan. Julia continued, After one time, the group decided I should be rewarded for my efforts, and I became known as Satan's queen. On the next sacrifice, that's when I made a deal with the devil himself. For my sacrifices, he gave me psychic powers. Richard continued with his notes. However, given the last few paragraphs out of Julia's mouth, he was convinced more than ever that this could all just be an act, a cry for help, and nothing more. And that's how you got possessed? he asked. No. I like the powers. The group. They're my family. But as I got older, I couldn't get pregnant as easily. And then not at all. Daniel started treating me differently, freezing me out. I fell into a deep depression, even debated killing myself. And that's when I first felt it in me. The authenticity of her last few sentences now had Richard as confused as before. She was sound of mind. She was rational. And although these tales seemed far-fetched and impossible... They were all coherent and delivered on a linear timeline. One thing that he did know is she believed in what she was saying. And that's when you reached out to the church, asked Richard. Julia just nodded. And what would your group say if they knew you'd gone to the Catholic Church for help? Julia just shook her head. 
it wouldn't be good. As she shook her head, her eyes glazed over and her face seemed to drop. Richard knew she was entering a trance. Unlike last time, however, her eyes shot up to Richard's and her lips unnaturally peaked on each side of her face, creating a forced, if not painful, smile. Her voice seemed to be in a lower register. Boy. Boy. Ovarian cancer. Your mother? Oh dear, what a shame. Richard didn't know what to do. This this was real. His mother died just a few years before. Of ovarian cancer. She lived far away in another town. There's no way Julia could have... The Yale certificate threw itself off the wall and smashed into the opposite one. His crucifix dropped from the wall to the floor. All the while, Julia's face and smile didn't change. She just stared a hole into Richard's eyes. And then, her head dropped. She sighed, and Julia was back in the room. Wondering why Richard was panting for breath, and white as a sheet. It was a warm day in June, but inside this old and empty church, there was a chill in the air. The small altar supporting an even smaller freestanding crucifix, which fathers Jacques and Alan knelt in front of silently praying. Three nuns and two laymen stood anxiously against one of the walls. She should have been here by now. The empty chair, complete with its arm and leg restraints, sat bare and vacant in the centre of the room. The priest stood and made the sign of the cross, turning to find Julia, dressed in her usual black gothic attire, slowly and cockily walking towards the chair, before flopping down in it like a stroppy teenager. Come on then, let's get it over with, she said, her words echoing around the large empty room. The two laymen walked over and secured Julia to the chair, whilst the nuns prayed and the priests prepared their garments. On a signal from Father Alan, the laymen returned to the wall and the nuns dropped to their knees, bowing their heads in silent prayer. The Roman ritual was about to begin. No sooner had the prayer started that Julia slipped into her glazed look and expressionless face. For over 30 minutes, the ritual played out without incident. Then, Julia lifted her head and turned to Father Alan. Although her mouth didn't move, fierce, guttural sounds were heard coming from her body. As the growls continued, the temperature in the room increased. So much so, every participant was covered in sweat. The two priests needing to mop their brow in between prayers. Suddenly... Julia shouted, The temperature plummeted in an instant. The priest's breath was now a visible fog in front of their faces. Whatever was inside Julia was now beginning to fight. She spun her head round to directly look at the praying nuns. Stop, you horse! You You cannot stop us, she is ours! Her chair began to rock as she fought against the restraints. The priest motioned to the laymen and sisters to keep Julia in that chair and so all five of them raced over, and, holding different parts or limbs, tried to keep Julia in the one space. To everyone's astonishment, however, the chair lifted six inches in the air. 
The five looked at the priests for advice on what to do now, but the priests were already midway through a key part of the ritual, leaving them no choice but to pointlessly wrestle against this now floating chair. It reached the part of the service for the victim to be doused with holy water, and as Father Alan did so, Julia let out an almighty scream and the chair dropped back to the floor once more. The three nuns and two laymen retreated during this break in proceedings back to the wall. Both priests looked at Julia and then at each other as they continued to pray. Both were thinking and hoping that that was it. The demon had been... A demonic growling came from all four corners of the church. The energy was thick and tangible. So much so the laymen fell to their knees in prayer next to the nuns. The growling seemed to be drawing in towards them from all angles. Something was about to happen. Something big. They could all feel... It stopped. Everything stopped. The growls, the temperature, everything returned to normal. It was as if something had gone. Julia woke up in the chair and asked to be released. I I, I believe you're now free, Julia, smiled Father Jacques. Father Alan's face didn't seem so sure, however. Julia stood and shook her head. No, it's still here, she replied, and she walked out of the church. Julia refused and ignored all attempted contact from here on out. According to Dr. Gallagher, he believed that deep down Julia didn't want to give up all of the demon. She still wanted to return to her group, to win back Daniel, to feel like she had some worth. Following on from this hunch a year later, he tracked down the satanic group in question. And he was right. Julia had returned to the cult immediately following the exorcism. However, the reunion would be short-lived, as he was informed that she had died six months prior from terminal cancer. As for Richard Gallagher, well, he's now the chief scientific advisor for the International Association of Exorcists, a Vatican-approved organisation recognised by Pope Francis in 2014, and continues to assist the Catholic Church in its dealings with the devil. This apparent true paranormal experience is one of the very few ticks in the victory column for demonic possession, though I'm sure it won't be the last we cover. I should state that all of the facts from today's episode have come direct from interviews held with Richard Gallagher, And of course, to flesh out a cohesive episode that runs in a narrative, I've added some of the dialogue in order to stitch these key facts together. I should also add that Richard does change names of people involved in the story, so if you're going to try and find any of the priests, for example, I wouldn't hold your breath. But I would strongly suggest checking out Richard's book, Demonic Foes, where he goes into more details about some of the cases he's had to deal with on behalf of the Catholic Church. So that about wraps up today's episode. As always, I'd like to thank you for choosing to spend your time with me here on The Dark Paranormal. Don't forget, if you think you're sitting on an amazing true paranormal experience that would suit The Dark Paranormal Season 7, then send it over to thedarkparanormal at hotmail.com. <laughs>
And don't forget, for early ad-free releases of the show, and of course to gain access to the entire back catalogue of Dark Bites, head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. So, until next time, remember, when you discuss the paranormal, always try and leave your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next week here on The Dark Paranormal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.